Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Friday. It's Haley Salvian and Sean Gentili here with you. And we're actually coming to you with, uh, with the Besties edition of the show. That's right. Dom Lustician's here. Everybody say hello. Did we vote on that name? <laughs> like, why are we... Friday wasn't really... I didn't have Friday. much input there. I didn't have much input on the Bestie edition. What would you call it? it's not your show. I don't know. The naming things is hard. It's an old... It's like an old adage for mm-hmm. old internet people who've had, who've had to do a couple generations of naming blogs and whatever shows it sucks it's horrible so i'm happy to not i'm honestly happy to not be involved with it you're just gonna complain about it yeah I, that's my job yes <laughs> okay not well, every not every show name kill. not every show feeling, name can be no. as great as is the tuesday boys yeah hashtag, with three z's or tuesday whatever boys, you didn't even name that yourself uh sure yeah what are you talking about <laughs> yeah i did wasn't you that craig, people you in the craig comments? does work on that no Craig hasn't done shit. He barely, can barely even bother to show up for that thing at this point. Who cares? Pulled a lot of muscles to call it's yourself a Tuesday Boys, eh? Hashtag Tuesday Boys. Three Z's. <laughs> <laughs> it's clever. Tons of brain power. Well, you're a huge buzzkill. I was feeling better today. I don't have the black and white settings on my video. We don't need any sad songs. I forgot about that, honestly. <laughs> How could I forget? It was hilarious. Danielle... It was a huge W from Danielle. But Dom, say hello. I was Hi. trying to introduce Dom, and then Sean just dumped on our entire production. Gives a shit. Danielle calls it the bestie edition. I know. It is the bestie edition. It's yeah. Just the three That's best why friends. why I brought it up. I knew it was Dom. 
He's trying to shit on Dom. Have you tried not being a hater? Uh, isn't that you? Is that, that's coming from you? <laughs> I personality. love I don't know what, what, you I don't about? know what you're talking about. I'm famously a lover yeah. of all things. You love power play points. <laughs> yeah. Special, Jonathan special, Huberdo. Teams, special teams play. <laughs> Jonathan Huberdo. The entire Huberdo business family. Big fans of. Big fan of Huberdo. I don't know what you're talking about. I love everything about his game. I just want to give him an award for it. Got it. Got it. Pivot from the from from the Huberdo talk. Haley, what was what was the first thing on the rundown? Let's get here? it on the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is Friday. Welcome everybody. Everyone's feeling chipper. Everyone's feeling great, as you can tell. Great intro. Great start. Uh, <laughs> this is really dumb. I put in our rundown segment number one. I called it news you can use. And that's good. <laughs> like this is like this is the ten o'clock news or something, and it's yeah. Like, yeah there's it's been a Friday there's, headlines. There's been, Here's your news you can use. There's been a recall on lettuce affecting, <laughs> affecting forty five giant eagles in the in, in the Allegheny County and Washington County area. Lettuce is so expensive right now. I tried to buy some romaine and it was like nine dollars, and I said Everything's I don't expensive. need this. <laughs> Getting kind of political here, folks. I don't need lettuce. Anyways, the real news you can use. Andre Kuzmenko signs a two-year, $5.5 million deal in Vancouver. And I guess the question, and we can start with Dom. The question is, like, why, <laughs> ultimately? Because I think we can all agree, based on, you know, what we've seen from Kuzmenko, like, I don't have a problem with that contract, I, two years, 5.5, he's a good player, he's a fun player. I don't inherently have an issue with the deal he's been signed to or the player himself. My problem is, is that the Vancouver Canucks did it when they could have <laughs> traded him. Dom? That is the exact problem because it's a pretty fantastic deal for what he's been and what you can expect him to be while leaving a bit of money out to... I guess like the, the risk of what he's been, his shooting percentage, the fact that he's only played 47 NHL games. That's why it's nice that it's only five and a half and it's only two years. Uh, but it's not nice because it's the Vancouver Canucks who signed the deal and it just makes no sense given their current direction. It makes no sense given their future direction and, given what they need, where they need to be, it would have made so much more sense to trade him and reap the rewards of what is probably a bit of an inflated shooting percentage if for a player they they don't they don't need him. And they could have got a, a good little haul for futures uh, that could have greatly helped their their future trajectory. It's the Jim Rutherford classic. It's the move. It's a, it, We saw it at the end in Pittsburgh. As soon as he stumbles across cap space, this is a guy who... In Pittsburgh, in particular, was always you know in 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 Vancouver, always talking about things he can't do, things he doesn't have the space to pull off. He was reminding people, "Well, we don't have money. We don't have money," as if he is not the one who continually maybe maybe didn't create the the initial problem, but compounds it and drags it on, and you know kind of furthers furthers the whole deal. He did that in Pittsburgh many times over. The funniest was the Patrick Hornquist deal, by the way. That was like their big, 
not like get out of jail free card, but he was the uh, the big obvious trade to make in 2019 in the in the 2019 2020 season. Rutherford moved him, ended up taking on more salary in return in the form of Mike Matheson, and the end result is a net cab a net cap ad, and Rutherford. At the time of doing the deal, basically cop to say cop to like, oh, I didn't realize I, I I added more than I gave up in that. He the salary right. cap is not a consideration for him. He doesn't value cap space as an asset, and he doesn't think about it whenever he negotiates trades like this. So if I had a dollar, if I could bet money on this, on something like this. Con- like ne- negotiation conversations with Kuzmenko would have ramped up right after they knew they couldn't sign Bo Horvat because this dude he gets money in his pocket and it burns a hole and then he gets rid of it. <laughs> he it it's infuriating to watch as someone w- who cares about team building, let alone let, let alone a fan of of the of, of whatever the team is in question. So dollars to donuts, this dude was like, all right. I don't have Bo Horvat to worry about long term. That means I'm going to have about five and a half, six and a half, seven and a half million dollars to play with. What do I do with it? He turns around and, and gives it to Kuzmenko, who, like, again, nice player, good deal. It's just the wrong team. He should have been found money, a $900,000 super productive player who's like attractive for a bunch of reasons that may or may not bear out and hold up in the future. They should have flipped him. They should have flipped him at the deadline or whatever. Instead, he's going to be there as one of their $110 million in winger contracts that Rutherford signed over the last, over the last couple of years. It's amazing. I think like the big problem when you, when you, when we at least look at the Vancouver Canucks and what we think should be the most valuable for them where they're at in their life cycle right now, like the two most important things for this team should be cap space and future assets, whether that's young NHL players or draft picks. This guy's a young NHL player, but he's 26. And believing that he's a solution is believing that Jim Rutherford can turn this team around in two years. And I don't know how many people are believing that. I think Jim Rutherford believes that, which is why he's doing this move, because he fits the 24 to 27-year-old, you know, window of, of player, age bracket of player he's trying to put into his core. Because we heard it in, in the almost hour-long press conference. So, you know, I think it was Drance who asked him, like, about the timeline. And, you know, he uh, Rutherford was like, well, what what timeline are you looking at? And he was like, three years. And he was like, oh, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three years, yeah. Like, Jim I think Rutherford. they genuinely believe that they can turn this around in two <laughs> years and that Kuzmenko can be a part of, of that. But for me, like, when we're kind of thinking realistically or objectively when we're zooming out and looking at this roster, like, you could have got... He's making under a million dollars. He's got 21 goals at the 47-game mark as we're recording this. I think the amount of teams that could have lined up for a guy like that would have driven the price up. And so, yeah, they could have had that found money and they could have had a decent draft pick. But instead, they have Kuzmenko signed for two years. He's a UFA after that. And what, is that your window of contention? I don't know. You're trying to apply logic to a, to a situation where there isn't any. And it's and it's been true for years. Like, where's the logic in doing what they, like the the overall across the board logic to what they did to Bruce Boudreaux. Where's the like, go, like 
go back, go back in 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 Jim Rutherford's recent history. Like, where's where's the logic in the Hornquist trade? Where's the logic in signing Jack Johnson for four years or whatever it was? Five, five. He's not. <laughs> he is not bound to the constraints of conventional wisdom <laughs> or logic or right. sanity. It's 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 sure. Rutherford, man. That's it. So like, yeah, it, it's it's like you you're trying to you know, suss out the, the, the reasonable parts here. And they're just, there aren't, there aren't any. And part of it comes back. That guy always thinks that, that his teams are a couple trades away, whether that, whether that's true or not. Well, cause he has, he has action over those trades. And if he thinks he's someone who could turn a team around, then they're a couple trades away and he'll be the savior. I just, it's just unfathomable because how often is there an asset like Kuzmenko available at the deadline where right. you have like a 35 goal, 70 point forward for under a million dollars, especially yeah. in this salary. He's like not every getting power play time either. Like if, yeah. if you put it, if you put him on a team, he seems like a guy who would be a, who would be a weapon there. It's insane. Brandon Hagel got two firsts last year. Exactly. I was saying, I think I said this on our show. I said it on the radio. I was just like, I just keep envisioning a world where Julian Brisebois has this amazing trade and deal in his pocket that involves Kuzmenko. He's going to trade, you know, the 2025 or 2026 first round pick plus some guy, you know, that we've probably never heard of and then have a great deal in the cupboard uh, and bring Kuzmenko in for the Tampa Lightning and they're going to go to the cup final again. It just it just looked like a Hagel type situation. Um and I just think, I think that he would have been more valuable to the Vancouver Canucks as a trade chip and, you know, in the cap space conversation than he will be over the next two years. And that's not a shot at how good of a player he is and how good he might be in the next two years. I just think that this was a missed opportunity for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, could he be? <laughs> this is funny. I got this question from somebody as I was talking about this deal, could he be traded as like a non-rental player? Like does his value go up now that he's making $5.5 million and he's in team control? It Could he still be on the table for a team? Like Dom, do you see that as a deal that could still be on the table and more value? Because it is a good deal. So maybe a team will look at this and say, you know what, that's a pretty good contract for a player we like and now it's not a rental. So maybe we'll still do it. I mean, maybe. Uh, it's just, I don't think Vancouver is thinking like that. I think they think this is a guy for their future plans and they just sign him to a nice deal that will align with when they'll be ready in two years. And that is <laughs> obviously because not the again, case. Again, again, he was, it's like, well, well, we have a Bo Horvat sized hole on our, on our cap ledger for the next year. So how, how can we, this is, Whenever you see it, and it's it's a long-standing kind of experiment, but I know everyone will always you see it kind of redone and put on YouTube or put on TikTok or whatever. Whenever you put a marshmallow in front of a little kid, and you say like, "You can have this marshmallow now, or I'm going to go and come back in 15 minutes," and then you get two marshmallows, but you have you, you have to leave the first one alone. You you can't eat it, and then they leave the room, and you watch the little kid. Just you know, you watch like a kid, a kid sit there and just like go, like go crazy and stare at the marshmallow and try to like, mu like muscle up the willpower to to not eat it. Like that's what it's like for Jim Rutherford in five and a half million dollar holes, like in in his in his salary cap. 
on the on the books. Like he he can't he can't help himself. At some point, he's going to lose the benefit of saying he inherited these problems. From he should have lost it already. He should have. He should not. He hasn't have had made it coming that out many moves summer. that add to the cap, though, Sean. He's been completely on it because it's a lack of because, again, it comes back to him not valuing salary cap space in any capacity. Right. He, wants he says players. he wants to create it. He wants players. So obviously he, he values it. He just doesn't know how to make the moves necessary without like he I don't I don't really know. Like you, you want to what you want to dump Brock Besser. Maybe that's the answer. Bo Horvat leaves. You dump Brock Besser at the deadline. You trade Luke Shen. Now you got some money. Maybe this is his, this is his team now. It has been for however many months. Like there's no more excuses, and the fact that he's continued to kick the can down the road and somehow be like, well, you know, this isn't, this wasn't, this wasn't our build. Like, buddy, you just signed someone for five and a half. Like, look at all the look at all the contracts he signed people to. It's insane. It's his fault. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> It's just it's it's aggravating, and, and I think a lot of it honestly is looped up in a lot of it is tied up in the way things have gone for them in general in in the last in the last like month or two, right? We've seen them like treat a good man terribly over the course of the last mm-hmm. of the last however many months. So who gives a shit? He doesn't get he shouldn't have been getting the benefit of the doubt in the first place. So every it should be open season on that dude as far as criticism is concerned, right? Like oh like, like no this is. This is his roster. It's his doing, and he's on his third. He's on his. He's on his second coach. I'm in a terrible mood. Terrible. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um. Well, sweet, sweet Jeremy Rutherford, whom we all love, has an exclusive on the Athletic. He talked to Ryan O'Reilly about the trade talk, a potential contract extension in St. Louis. Um. The crux of it: Ryan O'Reilly wants to be in St. Louis. I think he believes if the team was doing better and if he was doing better, then these trade conversations might not be happening. Uh, but that's not the reality of the situation. The Blues are having a a tough, very streaky year. Ryan O'Reilly's not having a great season and he's kind of on all these trade boards and trade bait lists. And, and you know, I think he's been linked to the Leafs. I don't know how credible that's been. I think LeBron said something about the Leafs. When it comes to Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, is this a guy who should be traded at the deadline? Is he someone who the Blues should hang on to? I mean, he doesn't have any trade protection. Vladimir Tarasenko is the one that does. And I mean, I don't believe he's ever rescinded his trade request. Frank Saravalli reported that um, in his DFO. I think he had it in the Flames blurb about Tarasenko potentially being a fit for Calgary. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, though. Like, would that make sense? Like, if you're the Blues, do you re-sign O'Reilly or do you trade him at the deadline, regardless of how he's playing right now? You got to trade him. Trade him. Yeah, they're, again, this is not a team that's in position to go anywhere anytime soon. Make the most of the assets you have. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly means a lot to the franchise, but, I mean... He's probably going to be overpaid on his next deal. Do you really want to be the team doing that? Especially if you're the Blues and you're on, you're in no man's land, kind of where you're not good enough to tank, not sorry, not bad enough to tank, not good enough to make the playoffs. So this is a player who's in pretty rapid decline, and I don't think a lot of NHL teams are 
are keen to that and they will probably overpay for him at the deadline. So make the most of it because I, I don't see a point in signing O'Reilly after after this season if you're the Blues on the on the way down. Do, do you guys know that Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas's contracts don't kick in until next season? Yep. Next yes. season. That's eleven million more dollars tacked onto their cap projection next year. So I don't even know where the money would come from, honestly, at this point. Their 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 salary structure is bizarre. Bad. Well yeah. they have a they have some guys coming off the books like Tarasenko's a UFA, Barbashev's yeah. a UFA, Nolachar is UFA. So like they have deals coming off the books. Yeah. Um You're right. If they so, wanted to do it, they, if they wanted to do it, they could. You're right. But they shouldn't. Right. Even they if it's be, like they, a discount, hometown discount, keep them in St. Louis kind of deal. You don't do it? It depends on how steep the hometown discount was. Like people say this, like players say this shit, but then ultimately if you're like, okay. Ryan O'Reilly, you want to stick around? You're making $4 million for four years or whatever. <sighs> yeah, it's going to be tough. They've got 70. So they're right now they have, it looks like $70 million committed to 13 players next season. So they have $12.7 <laughs> in projected cap space with a ton of work to do. Mm-hmm. That team. Oof. And they only have one goalie. That's Jordan Bennington. So they need a backup goalie. Zero goalies. <laughs> that's not true. He's been better than his numbers look like this year. So JR has told me. I'm just kidding, God, everybody. Like, God, I've, God he's been JR. better than his numbers would suggest. I've I've seen I've seen the data points. What about the last uh, two games? Didn't watch those ones, honestly. <laughs> John Hamm told me he was better than his than his stats have suggested. So, so. John Hamm and I are friends. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> he and I should chat. John, if you're listening, I agree with you. You can send you his email address. I feel like it's just never the goalie's fault, you know? I feel like they just can't it's never keep Jordan committing fault. a ton of money to 30-year-olds. <laughs> you want to bet? <laughs> are you Let's are you see. saying that spending $25 million next year on a top four of Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Colin Pareko, and Nick Letty is good? Nick Letty. And there's no way he's going to take less money than he's making right now. So if the, like, if the floor is $7.5 million, that's... You know, over half of your current projected cap space. Goodbye, Ryan. Thank you for everything. St. Louis legend. This man, without him, they don't, they're still operating on zero cups as a franchise. God bless this dude. Enjoy (laughs) being overpaid by someone else. It's crazy. (laughs) Crazy, crazy that they would, that they, that they would move on from him too. Cause, cause Doug Armstrong said it too. He said it at the start of the season. He was like, Champing at the bit for changes. Champing. It's champing. That's what it is, by the way. A lot of people screw up and say chomping. Not me, though. It's chomping. Incorrect. Champing at the bit? Yep. That can't be right. That's the saying. No. I mean, you You're can look it up. Liar. It no, no, no. I've never lied once in my life about anything. It's, it's, it's champing. What does that even mean? It doesn't matter. That can't be right. What's real. a champ? What's champing? <laughs> A Blades of Glory reference, by the way. <laughs> Slash Watch the Throne. We've seen that. Are movie. we done? Do we are, is there is there another is there another bit here? Get Ryan O'Reilly out of St. Louis. We we need trade deadline fodder. We need a big name to move. He's the guy. He's is the this guy working? That, is this thing on? Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly, the Maple Leafs. Dom, I, thoughts? Mm. See, I, I hope that happens <laughs> for Dom. 
You'd be so conflicted, dude. I, you, I wouldn't, have, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. I, I, I wouldn't. I would hope that it would It has work. Nick Foligno written all over it. It, it, it has so many Nick Foligno vibes. <laughs> and no and disrespect to Ryan O'Reilly, sir. Like your your a, foot's a broken. Your foot's broken right now. <laughs> it's giving Jason Allison taking a shootout attempt in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ryan O'Reilly won something, at least. Yeah, that that's Nick, why I said, like, no disrespect, Nick sir. Nick won. Nick Foligno's the greatest. I, I think that would be a little concerning. Yeah. Go back to Colorado. Number six on the athletics big board, Ryan O'Reilly. Back to Colorado. Calgary. Calgary, yeah. I think it'd be <laughs> funny because they offer that sheeted went, him. That went so well. Yeah. He fulfills Didn't his Didn't he destiny. sign the offer sheet? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, it worked out fine. It was just the Avs matched. Didn't work out for the Flames. Anyways, let's go to break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to go through some of Dom's 16 stats. Talk about the Buffalo Sabres and ask Dom... Do you hate Tage Thompson? (laughs) That's coming up next. (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Dom left. <laughs> he didn't appreciate. <laughs> Through a little trap door in his apartment floor. He just Yeah, there's something weird down. going on in there. Robot he took dogs. his robot dogs and went on the run. Never to be seen again. Dom's still here. Um, yep. And I do believe that the day that Marat and I and, and Sean, you know, we made accusations about Dom's apartment and Dom <laughs> saw it on Twitter and was like, what did, what did you say about my home? Or just ri- just <laughs> what do riffing? people think I that I do here? I was, I was concerned. Sean's a wild card. Who knows what comes out of the mouth sometimes. He could have had a bad day. Could have had a Jim Rutherford moment and be like, you know what? Screw Dom. I'm just going to talk their shit. We're really yelling about Jim Rutherford. Like, <laughs> really upset. Just try, I'm just trying to get the energy up in one way or another. <laughs> My energy's fine. I'm talking personally. You guys are you oh. guys are fine. I'm, I'm dragging here. Oh, okay. So I made okay. myself mad about Jim Rutherford. Right. Well, it definitely showed. You know how I'm getting my energy? With this Olipop. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys tried these? Hashtag ad. Not yeah, sponsored. It sounds like a sp- you're doing SponCon for some... What is that? This it's a, little it's a shit soda. was three for $10. It's like a healthy pop. It's not healthy. It, What's the point? it has like prebiotics in it. I think it's supposed to be for digestion. I don't. I don't know the difference between prebiotics and probiotics. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to find them out. Sixteen stats this week. 
Mm-hmm. Wait. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Olipop anymore. Let's not fight in front of Dom. This is supposed to be the best hour. Okay. So, Dom, a big part of your 16 stats this week looked at the Buffalo Sabres and their playoff push. They are in the thick of the playoff race right now, yet your model has them at a 10% chance to make the playoffs. Why? Uh, I'm going to use a word that Sean hates just to see his reaction, but uh, it it doesn't account for the vibes that the Sabres have. Oh, look at his face. That's beautiful. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, uh, The major reason is Buffalo's strength of schedule is really high. Uh, Going forward, they, on average, are going to face teams that are expected to finish the season with 95 points, which is the second hardest in the league. Uh, A lot of their games are on the road, which they have been strong on the road this year, but generally it's not safe to expect that to continue. And I think their main competition, Florida, is a team that won the President's Trophy last year. They have strong priors. 20 of their final 32 games are at home, and they have a much easier schedule in terms of opponents. I I love the Sabres. I want them to make it. It's been too long. I think they're one of the most fun teams in the league in the way that they are all offense, no defense. But... I think they're they're playing a bit over their head right now. I I do think a lot of their offense is real based on the things they're doing in terms of creating high danger passes and carrying the puck in the zone. But to the extent that it's currently happening, I think it is not exactly wrong to expect them to fall back down a little. So you have the you have the Panthers over them in, in the projections. I I actually actually haven't checked those in a couple of days. Yeah, and it brings me no joy every yeah. day to have that because the Panthers are a bunch of losers right now. And <laughs> it's like every morning is like, oh, yeah, let's just keep saying the Panthers are a good team. Like, I don't want to do that. I knew they'd been I knew they'd bumped themselves up. Florida did. Mm-hmm. I don't think I quite realized it was back up to that. I, the, the gap between them and Buffalo was that. Yeah, large. it's it's because the the Buffalo playoff odds have always been low Mm -hmm. throughout the season. It's just the model being stubborn saying this team is probably still bad. They're bad at defense and Craig Anderson is net is a net. So is that something you can really bank on? Is it safe to think Tage Thompson will continue scoring at a 60 goal pace or whatever? Yes. I I want it to be. You know what? It's not, it's not because he's going to start scoring at a 70 goal pace. That's why (laughs) I I hope because every goal, it's not just like, a 60 goal pace it's like 60 goals like with style points included where every one of them rule and we need that in the playoffs everyone would rather have buffalo in the playoffs over florida and i don't want to be the person saying that might ha- not happen because i <laughs> well, you are I, I you know, hate tage thompson i i love him so much okay so this is my question if the buffalo sabers make the playoffs mm-hmm and Tage Thompson continues this pace and he continues to be one of the best players off the rush and he's on this scoring pace and he scores more than the next best guy on the Buffalo Sabres, et cetera, et cetera. Does he get your heart trophy vote over Connor McDavid? No. If they make the playoffs and he can, he scores 60 goals and the next best guy on the Sabres is at like 45 or something. Like, I don't know that isn't, isn't doing this alone. Like, Jeff Skinner has been mm-hmm. good. Alex Tuck has been good. Rasmus Dahlin has been amazing. It's not just uh, the Tage Thompson show. This is a strong offense, and I love what he's doing, but I, I don't think his game is complete enough to 
I guess, take him over McDavid, who has so many more points and his five on five game is is routing into form over the last few weeks. I would love nothing more than to vote for Tage Thompson over Connor McDavid. That would that would rule. If there was any justification for it, I'd be like first in line, you know, Dan the Torpedoes. Like whatever whatever people want to say, like I'll take but, it because it because it, it would feel great. I don't I'm not I'm not sure if I can do it. I mean, despite Tuck and Darlene and Skinner, Tage Thompson still has 10 goals and 13 points more than the next best guy on the Sabres. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to rewarding like, Connor McDavid for how exists. terrible the rest of the how, how horrible the rest of that roster is. <sighs> I guess He's I'm trying to galaxy brain something. It's I'm, the I'm one bored. spot where he benefits from the from the incompetence of of his management because. Edmonton stinks, which amps up Connor McDavid's sure. value, both real and perceived. Yeah, like you can say, oh, he has dry sidle, and then you can't use the argument of Thompson having 13 more points than the next best saber because McDavid has 60 more points yeah, than dry sidle. That, that doesn't, that doesn't, that <laughs> Guys, doesn't work. Guys, I'm just I've, trying to have different conversations because the Hart Trophy conversation is boring right now. Yeah. I, I truly Good. there would, there's nothing nothing would make me happier than than Tage Thompson being like a legitimate choice it if for MVP over McDavid that would be like I said I couldn't be happier what it's if just the Oilers tough, missed the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> now you're cooking with gas <laughs> let's go what if McDavid just goes in the tank how about that what if McDavid actually sucks <laughs> Is Connor McDavid good? <laughs> Jury's still out. What if he's, what if he has like a like an eight point February or something? Gotta ask the question. Who's to say? No, this isn't me being a McDavid hater. Like he's the this best is, player in the world. This is me. This is me being a McDavid hater. No, I just I feel like, and that's on me as like the host then to try to reframe the conversation in a different way instead of being like, should he? Could he win the heart? I think it's just so boring at times like last year around the deadline there was natural debate and conversation even though most people believed it was austin matthews heart to win people still discussed mcdavid and shesterkin and johnny gaudreau like there was a conversation That's all about who's gonna win the heart and this year it's just like eh, who's gonna come second like who who are the heart trophy finalists mcdavid's yeah, that, so good that's Boring. just the way. It, that's just the way. It's the way it is. Like some some years, you just got to suck it up and make up. You know, like I don't want to. So now making up scenarios. If <laughs> David, that's, that's what always happens. Is that there's there's always someone who's like a, a front runner, and then it's like, oh, what about this guy? And then he starts getting like some like heart trophy buzz, and we start galaxy braining the whole deal when it's not really as close as some people are trying to galaxy brain it. And right now it's not close. It's McDavid. We don't need a, we can just take the year off and say, just give to this guy, not overthink it too much. Shaquille O'Neal won one MVP award in his career. One. That's not because he only deserved one. It was because people tried to convince themselves of insane shit and tried to, it came into the discussion like, all right, we can't give him, we can't can't give give him another one. This, this is unfair. And that's what I'm doing. I never voted for Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I did. I actually vote. I voted for him for Hart last year over over McDavid. <laughs> yeah, Sean actually voted Shaq for the right in MVP. right in for Shaq. 
who rounds out the finalists for the Hart Trophy? Is Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes top three? I, I would say top so three. right now. Yeah. Or at least around there. I think there's a lot of players who have a legitimate claim to be in that area. Thompson's obviously one of them with the way Buffalo's playing. I love what Hughes has done in terms of his all-around game and... I think I'll give a lot of credit to David Pasternak as well on the league's best team and a historic team. And mm-hmm. Jason Robertson, I think, is still in that convo as well. So let's get into the Boston Bruins, actually, away from my fake news, hard trophy conversation. <laughs> so they could become the first team ever to hit 40 wins before their 50th game. And they already set, and they already hit 80 points faster than any team in the league ever has. Like this team is just a wagon. The injuries haven't seemed to matter. The whole questions over Bergeron's kind of old. Krejci hasn't played in the NHL for a while. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Like what is making this team so damn good right now? And obviously Linus Armour. (laughs) Obviously, Linus Allmark is a huge part of the conversation too. I feel like you could just go down a list of all the things that's working for the Bruins. Definitely. I mean, D- Dumb, what's their, where are they uh, in strength of schedule for the rest of the season? Do you, do you like have that offhand at all? Or in, in, any idea? Uh, they're in the top 10 in terms of difficulty and mm-hmm. a lot of games uh, on the road as well. But Left or already played? Uh, left. So 43% of their games are at home going forward hmm so at some point though we need to like is it maybe it's now it, it's tough to it's tough to suss it out i feel like just with the way nhl standings are historically but the the, the 95 96 wings are the belt holder with 62 wins and 82 games i mean which is a 799 points percentage which is a hot 52 points worse than the than the uh, than the Bruins are playing out right now, right? So we need to we need to put them on all time win mark watch. Like it's 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 a it's time. Yeah, I I checked that. I don't know if I put it in sixteen stats, but I looked into it, and their current chance of beating that point record is fourteen percent. And that seems super conservative, but yeah. I mean, it's hard to project any team to maintain a 125-point pace, even though they've played at a 140-point pace for already like 47 games or whatever it's been. And they're they're definitely on the watch because normally at this time, those chances would be like 0%. Right. Uh, right. But the fact that it's even a possibility, I think, is a testament to how unbelievable they've been. They have to win two of their next three games to hit that. 40 wins in their first 50 games, Mark. And their next three games are against Tampa, Florida, and Carolina. So it'll get kind of interesting. So Carolina's game number 50. So if they can win tonight against Tampa and then Saturday against Florida, that's 40 wins. Well, they'll win against Before Florida, they hit game Florida. number 50. Sorry? <laughs> Oh yeah, Florida. That's a bunch of losers. And why? Yeah, and why is that? That's a W. Because because what are the Panthers? Huge losers. That's right. Huge losers. So Sean, maybe because you're a bigger basketball fan than Dom. Like, are the Bruins giving you 
Golden State Warriors' best regular season <laughs> straight to the championship, you know, oh, open, close. There's no conversation of who's the best team in the league right now vibes. I mean, I think the better uh the the better comparison to the to the to the as far as the Warriors and the Bruins are concerned or when you look at the 60 or the 73 win team in 15-16, right? Cuz you're you're just that season turned into can they beat the Bulls? Like can they win more than 72 games? And there were stretches where it seemed like, yeah, that they're going to get it by, you know, two, three, four, and then they ended up eking it out like at the at the end and just just beating it beating it by one. So it came down to the last came down to the last game. But like I, you know what, you know what's funny though is like I feel like that's a that's one of those things where going back to the NBA comparison, like everybody knew seventy two and nine. That was that that was the Bulls' record. That was the all time win record. They knew it coming into the season. I, it's weird to see like how, and I, I don't know if this is because of, you know, the the way the went the um, statistics have changed, or the, the the way you know three point games and whatever else. I feel like there's just not the amount of reverence that's paid to the NHL win record versus right. versus hoops, which is funny because like it because at this. At this comparable point in in the NBA season six or seven years ago, whenever that was, that was like the dominant storyline in hoops. Yeah. It was like, can the Warriors pull this off? Yeah. And I feel like with Boston, for whatever reason, it's just like kind of it's a it's B tier, it's C tier. It's not something that we're thinking about, but it is wild. And even though it's only a fourteen percent chance, like I'm right, I'm ready to start paying attention to it. I think part of it More is closely. that in the NBA, like that Bulls team won won it all. And that regular season yeah. record gained that reverence, I think not because of it, but like it helps that they didn't lose at the end. The Wings right. team didn't win. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. If the Bruins set the win record and then win the Stanley Cup, I think it'll be a much bigger deal in the future. But I think because hockey is not like basketball where anything can happen in the playoffs or whatever, it's just, it's there's still that mindset of, it doesn't matter if they don't win the cup. Yeah. yeah. And they lost in the finals that year. That That's what Sean was kind of getting to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they won the year previous. Then they had the historic season. So they're coming off of a championship, right? And then they had the 73 and nine season, which is insane. That is just off like a 900 win percentage. And then they lose in the NBA finals. So like maybe, maybe that's where the Boston Bruins are trending. They're going to lose in heartbreaking fashion in the, in the final to the Dallas Stars in seven games. Jake Ottinger <laughs> That's just went crazy. Happen. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Last thing on the Bruins before we go to our final segment. Is David Pasternak going to be the highest paid player in the NHL next year? Sean? I hope so. I hope so because I think we need a paradigm shift with how we look at players and player salaries in whoever the highest paid per like what that needs to change. We need to stop focusing on the best player is always the guy that makes the most money. It's harmful to the player's cause. It's harmful to the way we, to the level of analysis that goes into, you know, uh, in the, in contract analysis, like whatever it's, it's not good and it needs to change. And it's something that has been internalized in other sports over the last however, like, Whatever, Mike, you know, 
Mike Trout isn't the highest paid baseball player anymore. You know, right. Aaron, like there's a, a, NFL quarterbacks, who, whoever the highest NFL player is, is whatever half decent quarterback came up mm-hmm. in the previous offseason, right? And for whatever reason, there's that cap with hockey players where it's like nobody makes more than Oveskin, nobody makes more than Sid, nobody makes more than Connor. You know, and I, I hope it changes. I, I hope I hope Pasternak breaks the bank. And that leads to a, a kind of the paradigm shift where it's like, and that's this is no knock on David. David Pasternak is fantastic. And he, he'll deserve whatever money he makes. Is he the best player in the league? No. But, but who that cares? Doesn't mean, that doesn't, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, like the that's the part of the conversation that's so annoying. It's like, well, he shouldn't make more than McDavid. It's like, who, why? It's the only who sport. Yeah. Made it's that the a only thing? sport. I'm telling you, it's the only pro sport that that speaks in those terms at this point. Who gives a shit? Even you know? even McKinnon's contract was like so yeah. cowardly in the sense that it was like just 100k over McDavid. Yeah. So obviously, like it was important for him to be the highest paid player or whatever. But the the way he went about, it, he still took a, a discount to do it. And yeah. a, a lot a lot of it comes from player from player mindsets too, where they accept it and they're like, well, you know. Eight Lame. years ago, is I like, can't can't make more than Alex Ovechkin or, or Secure whatever. Secure the bag. Also, and especially now with with the with the contract structure that teams and players are locked into, where we can't do you know we can't do uh, long tail deals. We can only drop you know percentage wise like a certain amount year over year. Like we're comparing apples to apples at this point, right? So just yeah, it's, uh, totally secure the bag. Like I, I want, I want that for the players. I, it's not, it's not fair. I for for anybody three years from now or four years from now to say like, well, Nathan McKinnon signed that deal back in twenty twenty two. Can't go over that. That's even as even as revenues raise. That it's it's a nice little okey doke that management and ownership have pulled on the mm-hmm. players to kind of artificially cap salaries, especially when it's not in accordance with with cap raises. When it's five sure. years from now and we're talking about a $93 million cap or whatever it is, and people are still going to be, you know, structuring deals so they don't make more than Nathan McKinnon, man, get out of here with that. No, thank you. So when McDavid signed his deal in 2018, I guess the signing date was 2017, but the first year was 2018-19. When he signed that deal, it was just under 17% of the cap. <laughs> right. Which is wild. I think the only thing that would stop Pasternak from making $12.8 million is if he indeed stays with the Bruins. That's not the Bruins way. So many guys have taken discounts because that's what Brad Marchand does. And that's what, you know, Bergeron does. Like maybe he does does that too because he just wants to be in Boston. He took one already when he was in RFA and Marchand I think it's a bit overblown that he took one. He yeah. signed before he broke out and t- turned into 100-point yeah. Brad Marchand. He was a 60-point player whatever, and he was obviously right. analytically strong and was well worth that deal at the time, but he wasn't this incredible superstar. And sure. I think McAvoy getting $9.5 million, that was probably a bit of a discount as well, but I think that sort of sets the bar for, for Pasternak in terms of securing the bag a bit here yeah it's a good point i feel like that's kind of the canned thing it's just like oh well the bruins bruins take discounts like look at Marshawn, but i yeah that's the first time someone's kind of been like well 
He wasn't. You know, there's different. The guy. There's, di- yet. there's different considerations for every player too. Like maybe maybe Pasternak. He's, he once he loves Boston. I don't know, like who knows. Like play where you want to play, right? But the days of just artificially capping salaries based on who, you know, who's one of the one or two or three best players in the league is at the moment. Like I think that. I think that ultimately needs to go, and I, I hope it happens in, in some form. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe pass next the guy, maybe not. But yeah, time to time to figure it out. Yeah, I think the Pasternak story. I mean, we talked about it a lot in the summer, and it comes up here and there, especially when he has a big game or a big moment. It's going to be fascinating to see how this all goes down because obviously they have not come to terms on a new deal, and they're not going to trade David Pasternak at the deadline because they're the best team in the league and they want to win. Like, are we heading to Johnny Gaudreau territory here? It's to a lesser think, extent because the Bruins I aren't see. as good as the Flames were last. Uh, shoot, I messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> the Flames weren't as good last year as the Bruins are right now. Uh, but I think that's going to be fascinating. I don't I don't know if he's going to, you know, pull a last minute. I'm going to test the waters. Maybe they're going to figure something out. I just feel like this is probably one of the biggest storylines in the league on the best team in the league right now. Uh, and I don't know if, uh, you know, I hate saying like, we're not talking about it enough, but it's just going to be fascinating to see how all this turns out with, with Pasternak and the Bruins. I think I was, I think there is more reason to lowball Pasternak than there was Goudreau. I feel like for the you Bruins so? versus the Flames. Kind of. I mean, like, I like, I, I think all, all things considered, it sounds like what Gaudreau wanted was fairly reasonable, and how he occupies a different spot with the franchise than, than Pasternak did. I don't know. But they offered him I, eight times ten point five. That's not low ball. Yeah. Look what he signed for. He I left money on the table, and he's on the last place team in the league. It's pretty what's funny. Him? What's Im- what's important here is that these deals blow up in the team's faces. <laughs> there these, oh, yeah. these lack of these lack of uh, you know the lack of negotiations or whatever backfire terribly for for whatever the <laughs> for whatever the original team is. That's the goal. I'm fine with that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. We're gonna do a draft, I think, in the third segment. Hmm. Interesting. A non-hockey draft. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so we mostly kept the first two segments on the rails. And because the last time we had Dom on, the last time we had a Bestie show, we did a candy draft that was very popular. Everybody loved it. Except you. (laughs) It was incredibly successful. I cried. Uh, Everybody loved it except people who had to eat the candies that you selected. They were probably pretty upset. Because it stunk. I like Laffy Taffy. I like Skittles. (laughs) I like candies. There are people who agree with me also. Otherwise, those candies would no longer exist. There are are dozens of us. (laughs) (laughs) We will rise up. There's a reason you can still buy Laffy Taffy. Anyways, Sucker born every minute. This is Sean's way of trying to get me off my game. He yells at me. He belittles me. He makes me feel uncomfortable. I think those la- I, <laughs> last two are a little harsh, I would say. And, and then I forget about the Kit Kat. Nope. That would Debacle. be like me having the first overall pick, Sean screaming at me, and then I take, you know... True blood over the Sopranos with the first overall pick. That's right. We're doing an HBO draft. Sean won the first overall pick. This is bullshit. I wore my Bobby Bacala t-shirt. That's true. I don't even know what that's from. For the occasion. I'm so. Yeah, Dom's been staring at me like, what? Who's that man on her shirt? Uh, It's Bobby Bacala. (laughs) From what show? Sweet, sweet king. Who's never done anything wrong in his life. Yeah, other than block the me on day, Twitter. Yeah, that's true. Steve Sherpa <laughs> blocked Sean on Twitter. I think we talked about this before. Uh-huh. Um, also, Danielle did do the side quest that I requested everyone to, and she did, in fact, Twitter search Sean Gentilly, Bobby Flay. <laughs> Just a reminder, if you need a laugh, if you're in a bad mood like I was last week, if you're Angry like Sean this week. Just look up Sean Gentilly, Bobby Flay. Okay, here we go. And Danielle, start with the year. Oh, like, yeah, start with yeah. the date, please. It's okay, great. December 11th of 2014. LMAO at Bobby Flay's dumbass <laughs> talking about how good pairs are. What does he know? <laughs> <laughs> and he. What does he know? Nothing. <laughs> Beat Bobby Flay is rigged. He adds ancho chilies and whatever heat to everything, so the so the judges know. Um, also, an update because I've seen this in the comments before. The day I did a dramatic reading of the the cold brew that Sean bought that he believed was open, <laughs> and he threw it out. It wasn't open. That's just the new seal from the cold brew companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot. I, I, I forgot to. I forgot to update everybody on that. Uh, the email that I sent, they basically told me to go eat shit because I. They were like, <laughs> they were like we're, uh, that's just how our stuff's packaged now. Yeah. I I just wanted a coupon or something. 
Yeah, they just told you you were an idiot and stuff. They're like, sorry, sorry, moron. That's what our East Coast packaging does. It it was it was a uh, Califia. That was the brand, by the way. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Crapping on them now. Or, yeah, is that what it was? Califia. Yeah, it was that yeah. cold brew brand. I think so. Anyways, so anyways, HBO, HBO draft. Yeah, we're doing an HBO draft. We're going three rounds snake draft. Sean won the first overall pick. I'm second. Dom is third. Dom actually doesn't really watch many HBO shows. That's so why I said, please might, don't make me first. Know, he's still going to beat me, I'm sure, because everybody hates me. Like, probably not. This we'll is what see, I get mostly. for decisively winning the candy draft is that I'm, I'm in a draft now that I'm out of my element in. It's fine. So it goes first overall pick. I take the Sopranos. It probably is a little bit closer than you think because of how the affection I have for a few other shows here. But if I'm being, if I'm being honest, uh, it's it's the Sopranos. It's got to be the Sopranos. I am certainly the only one of the three of us that uh, drove across state lines. And well, D- D- Danielle, I'm not sure if maybe you drove <laughs> you drove to Tijuana or something to p- perhaps to see the to see the uh, traveling Steve Sharippa and Michael Imperioli Roadshow. I went to I went to watch those guys talk in Youngstown, Ohio last year. Big time fan. Uh, nothing else to say about it. I don't need to relitigate the Sopranos. I've enjoyed the cultural moment that it's had over the last couple of years, though. One of the good things about the pandemic was that everybody watched the Sopranos. Yeah, everybody except Dom. Except for Dom. You, it's a wonderful show. So The Sopranos was very important in my childhood. <laughs> it's my know, dad's buddy. favorite show. I have seen it many times. But during the pandemic, I also was like, I'm going to sit down and watch The Sopranos like by myself. You know, not like watch it at home. Like we have all the DVD box sets. That's how you know we my were not we were not an HBO one. we were not an HBO family growing up. That was for rich people. So I've had to like I accomplished a lot of these by uh, by pirating them like in the in the in the mid to late aughts. That was how I right. that was how I caught up on most of my most of my <laughs> uh, the HBO stuff that I missed from from not being an HBO household. Lots of lots of pirate bait, what have you. Right. So if I was a fraud with the second overall pick, I would choose The Wire. Mm-hmm. But I'm not because I've never watched The Wire <laughs> and I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be honest. With the second overall pick, I am selecting Game of Thrones seasons one through seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get sorry. Sorry. You, know what? you get season You know eight. what? Season eight wasn't as horrific as I think sometimes people make it out to be. There was some good cinematography. The scene of Daenerys walking up with the dragon behind her was like one of the most insane shots in TV I've ever seen. Um, But no spoilers. The way they did that was just like super rushed and super shit. However, I have never just lost my mind on a weekly basis the way that I did watching Game of Thrones for the first time. It's a wonderful show. It's very good. I love Jon Snow very much. <laughs> Dom, is, so. is, Game, is Game of Thrones on your like, nope. list of four HBO? Okay, good. Nope. Good. Um, and I, it looks like Sean's getting the wire at sixth overall. I steal <laughs> of the draft. Because wow. I will also not be a fraud. And I also have not seen the wire. Um, <laughs> at third overall, I am going to take Succession. Um, 
great, great show. Jeremy Strong's amazing. I think it's probably the best show on TV right now. And I feel like it's somewhat worthy of being selected somewhat this high. Prisoner of the moment. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, Actually, I'll, I'll, I haven't watched, dude, I haven't watched a second of Succession. Really? Not a one. Nope. I haven't seen it. Could have saved it then. Could have saved it. Um, <laughs> all right. Down to one of my five other HBO shows that I've watched. You're at um, least going to get, you're going to get stuff you've seen. A roster gonna, that I, you like. I'm going to get, I'm. Um, Are you going to take Euphoria? No, I see. I, I, I like want to hear, I want to hear you reach for Entourage here, which is what. It's I've never watched it. Gonna... Jesus what? Christ. <laughs> Dom. What about True Blood? Nope. I love that show very much. Oh my just, god! Just give me Euphoria. Just Resendea. No, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that to you. P- take your time. That that You've is my choice. Watch some other shows. That is Euphoria. That it's Euphoria out of the out of the six shows I've watched. I think that's number two. I mean, that's like it is a great show. Zendaya it's a respect. I mean, this is she's so good in that show. She's phenomenal. Really wanted to punch Sydney Sweeney in the face in the second season, though. She was so good in the second season, but so at her character. Oh yeah. Okay. So my second round pick, fifth overall, I'm going to take Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, I knew that, I knew that was coming. That's because right. I really strongly I know what you're gonna identify say to Larry yeah, there David. There we go. That's something assholes say. That's right. <laughs> it's okay to be a dick if I'm funny. <laughs> what? Yeah, as funny as Larry David. Yeah, yeah. Larry David's an asshole, so it's okay if I am. I also didn't it's watch a da- that. Dangerous, dangerous path. If we're shocked, we're not shocked about that. <laughs> All right, so I'm going with the wire. Um, <laughs> Strong choice. Wow. I, I I almost took it. So the the wire doesn't have the rewatchability that that the Sopranos has. Um, that's a common kind of refrain because of the heaviness of the subject matter. But I also think that. Um, that's turned into conventional wisdom in a lot of ways. Like it is, it is worth watching. It and it's probably easier to rewatch than people than people realize. Um, season five of The Wire, which is set predominantly at the Baltimore Sun, was filmed while I was interning at the Baltimore Sun in college and for a summer. So I was so excited when that you know to see that eventually come come out. And it uh it sucked ass. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was not good. See, but see, seasons one through four are, are unbelievable. Season five, not coincidentally, uh, David Simon, who's the creator of The Wire and also was a newspaper man before that and all that, he kind of ditched all the nuance and and uh, different shadings of characters that he built up to make all the basically make most of the newspaper folks like good and kind and you know all all knowing and all seeing. Like the the only truly good character on The Wire was a newspaper editor. And it was because David, David Simon worked for a newspaper. And and there's all sorts of crazy shit that happens in the fifth season. It was terrible. But that doesn't... You know doesn't that Dom nu- and I have no idea what you're talking That's about, That's okay. Right? I mean, other, other people <laughs> We're do. We're both just like... The first, the first four seasons are as good uh, as, as any uh, culture that I've consumed at all. That goes for TVs, music, movies, books, whatever. Okay. It's a remarkable achievement. Cool. So... I'm taking Next. that with a six overall pick, even though again, uh, season five yeah. was a big pi- was a big pile of poop. Sure. Next, um, snake drop. <laughs> yeah, and with my last pick, I select Eastbound and Down. Um, 
I needed a, I want a, a true comedy to kind of, it, it's like a, a flip side, I think, almost of Sopranos, where Sopranos is, is a drama that has legitimately funny moments, and Eastbound and Down is a comedy that has some of the darkest shit that you're ever going to see on, on TV. <laughs> oh. uh, see, season one is as funny as it gets. Um, probably some decline in quality, you know, as the years kind of went on there, but if you just want to laugh and enjoy yourself and you haven't seen Eastbound and Down, the first season is short and funny as hell uh, and completely, completely worth worth the time. So that's, other than Curb, that's my favorite HBO comedy of all time. Uh, and I'm happy to get it with my, with my third round pick in the seventh overall. Also didn't see it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. About to go 0 for 6 here. Um, this is kind of a tough one for me because I feel like it's off the board. I know one of the shows that Thomas watched is uh, Westworld. First <laughs> season ruled. After yep. that, don't like it anymore. Second season was pretty good. Third season was terrible. I haven't watched the fourth season. The reveal at the end of season one was like <gasps> it was yeah. super fun. It was great. It was different. A lot of I loved reveals. it. I'm just trying to think of HBO shows that I've seen that I've enjoyed, and I'm crossing them off. Chernobyl, I. S- was guys, so well do done. Not, you guys don't have like lists in the in the can here. You're like, eh, why I do I see that one? I I'm working through it. <laughs> Chernobyl, very good. I stopped watching it. I actually never saw the final episode because the one where all the dogs die. I was like, I'm done. I get it. I know what happens. I understand. I'm surprised history. you. I'm surprised you made it through that one. Honestly. Oh no, I didn't the, make it through, through, through the dog episode. Okay. I did not. All right. I stopped watching once I understood what was about to happen. And I was like, you know what? I get it. This show is well done. I know what happened in the world. I've seen enough. <laughs> I keep making jokes about True Blood. I did really enjoy that show. I really liked True Blood. Yeah, this ends with you taking True Blood. No. 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 It ends with me taping taking Sharp Objects. Wow. I don't think, I legitimately don't think people talk about that show enough. It was so well done. So unsettling. I watched it in one sitting. I loved it. Amy Adams was so good in it. It's definitely messed up. It's very dark. It's not really a rewatchable. But I'm going to take Sharp Objects because it was very good. Also on the board for me was Mm -hmm. uh, Big Little Lies. Sure. I was thinking of that one. I watch a lot of HBO, and honestly, would it be crazy to pick The Last of Us? Yes, because there's been two episodes of it, but it it looks it's been it's been great. That's a generational prospect right there. Totally, man. This is like this is I don't know. It's not Bedard, right? This isn't this isn't Bedard at World Juniors, but Jordan Eberle. It's like (laughs) now. Sure. It's like that's, that's kind of downplaying it a bit. Oh my god! Yeah, that's like <laughs> he was really good at World Juniors. But like we're talking about, like like he was already drafted. Whose record did Connor Bedard break? The Last of Us. Least. The Last of Us is currently one of those shows. That, one of the shows. Uh, it's it's the equivalent of a player that people refer to as a generational guy. But you're like, is that is that really truly? It's uh, well, I was thinking it's Shane Wright tearing up the OHL right now when he should be in the American League. (laughs) I was going to say McKinnon because McKinnon's Mm. a guy who's like, is he generational? I don't know. know. But it's been awesome. Yeah, um, that is one of the six shows on my list. 
because uh, okay. I'm currently watching it and it's fantastic. And I, I was considering going with the, the top prospect, um, the other shows. So I got Succession, Euphoria, and then the other three. I just finished watching White Lotus, which was mm. pretty good. Decent show. Yeah. I just thought, like, I don't think I, I got it as much as the, the hype, I guess. Mm. And then the other two are Westworld and Silicon Valley. And I would really love to draft just Westworld season one, but it feels like that's illegal. So I'm going to take Silicon Valley. Dun, da, da, da. Take- Guys, we love Sex in the City off the board. <laughs> Never watched it. That was, that, was, that was next for me. Disappointed no one picked Veep. I, I haven't I love, seen I Veep. Thought about, I thought about Veep. Here's, here's. I was like, I was thinking like huge, huge things off the, like nobody took. Like nobody took Veep. Nobody took Sex in the City. Like Watchmen, Six Feet Under. Barry Watchmen Watchmen was horrendous. Um, Deadwood's unbelievable. Larry Sanders is unbelievable. I really, really love The Leftovers. I like I The about, Flight Attendant. I thought about I that's HBO Max. It doesn't count. <laughs> I thought HBO. about HBO. I don't think so. And I thought about Mr. Show just because of what it yes. meant for uh, comedy culture and in general. But mm. I had to go with I had to go with Eastbound and Down, possibly because. Is it because of the scene where it's Will Ferrell doing a Ric Flair impression as a as a car de- as a car dealership owner? I can feel Could it be. in my plums. In my plums, <laughs> bluish hue, Gabriel. Let's see what we've consecrated here. Yeah, I thought thought about it. Just give me give me the belt, and we can. Yeah, I was gonna say Sean like, won. Yeah, we 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 knew that. We knew Sean won. There was no contest. Okay, did I at least beat Dom? You, you had to have <laughs> Westworld season one. <laughs> I'm picking episodes six through thirteen of Silicon Valley. I thought those are I thought those are pretty good. <laughs> I liked I liked the season of Silicon Valley where they uh, almost got in trouble, but then figured a way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean. Thank Sean, you. Sean Thank you, with this one for sure. Yes. Belt easy, easy. Easy peasy. All right. This has been the besties edition <laughs> of the Friday show. Uh, I am wearing my Bobby Bacala t-shirt. I am devastated that I didn't get the first overall pick. If anybody can get rest in Steve peace, Polly Walnuts. <laughs> if anybody can, anybody has an in with Shrippa. Yeah. Paul, Steve Shrippa. Unblock Sean. I was just making a joke. <laughs> he really loves you. He listens to the, what is it? What's the Sopranos podcast called? Talking Sopranos. Oh, it's really creative, Steve Shrippa. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ruin this. I love you. Me. I'm joking. I'm wearing your face on my shirt. Anyways, thanks, Dom. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, gang. We won't talk to you about TV ever again, though. You can, just not HBO. What's apparently. your favorite show ever? <sighs> I don't know. What's your most rewatchable Hockey. TV show? Probably Parks and Rec. I watch that like once a year. The episode of, like, the first, what is it, the first or second episode where Andy just keeps falling in the hole, like, it hits for me every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's great. I'm like, oh, he's so dumb. I think I've seen Gossip Girl um, ten times. You should try to draft that one. Maybe you would have won. That's a CW <laughs> Network show, idiot. So they should be on Max now, right? Yeah, but that's the stupid reboot. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, the Tuesday show also known as the Tuesday Boys. They're going to be talking to Ryan Miller. He just had his jersey retired in Buffalo, his number 30 up into the rafters. He got a saber. I'm 
That's going to be the first question that I ask. Spoiler alert. So if you want to know where he keeps his new sword. What do you do? Uh, where, where are you putting that sword, bro? In the family home. Check it out on the Tuesday Boys. It's the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ryan Miller is going to be on there. And just a reminder, if you're not an athletic subscriber, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for $2 a month for 12 months. You can also now subscribe to the Athletic Hockey Show's YouTube channel. If you want to see my Bobby Bacala t-shirt, you want to see Bono ripping around behind me while we're recording the show. He's sleeping now, but he's very cute. Uh, you can check that out and subscribe at youtube.com slash at, that is at sign the Athletic Hockey Show. We will see everybody next Friday. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.